From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, Global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. We talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to other being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast where we explore some of the big issues in the world of sports. Oh my goodness, the band is back together. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. Listen to us, we're great. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today, as usual. Let's start with Netflix. And Scar, they're talking about live sports rights. And it's at an interesting time because Netflix is taking a pounding right now. Yeah, the stock has been falling. It's actually down about 40% since it came out with earnings. And the earnings show that Netflix is losing subscribers. So not only has subscriber growth slowed, but it is seeing a net loss in subscribers. And that's partly because of the withdrawal from Russia. But having said that, every single streaming network, every single media outfit is always looking for live sports as the answer to their problems. And Netflix has taken this position that they're not going to acquire live sports rights, which is really interesting because they have a ton of data on everything, much of which they don't share with anyone, right? So if they are making this decision, this strategic decision not to invest in live sports rights, not to acquire it, something in their numbers shows that this is not a good use of their money. Well, they're going to stick with docu-series, uh, which has sort of been um, their, their trademark in terms of involvement with sports. They project they're going to lose 2 million subscribers in this uh, year, 2022. But you look at some of their competitors and how they've just jumped in mm-hmm. full force. Amazon Prime Video, National Football League Thursday Night Games, $1 billion a year is what they're spending. The National Hockey League just made a deal with uh, ESPN and uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu. Major League Baseball has a, a deal for five, uh, yeah, $560 million a year with ESPN Plus. The WNBA has games on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, soccer on Paramount. WWE is on Peacock. Disney predicts that they're going to have, Disney Plus rather, is going to have 260 million subscribers by the end of 2024. So is Netflix looking out on a golden opportunity right here? I, I wonder because you know, they, if they had baseball, they could have seen Kyle Schwarber go off on Angel Hernandez at, at the plate. You miss all these moments in sports, and I, I agree with both of you. I'm wondering if they're missing a golden opportunity. Well, having said that, Ted Sarandos, who is the co-CEO of also Chief Content Officer, is saying that they're not convinced that acquiring live sports rights would improve 
result in improved profits. And right now, it is all about making sure the numbers work for investors because the numbers did not work last quarter and the stock is paying for it and employees are uh, less motivated or perhaps morale is down as a result. So for now, they're focusing on increasing productivity, increasing profitability. But Ted Sarandos did not rule out that a live sports move could be something that they look at in the future. They're just saying that for now, this is definitely not a focus, but never say never. They're also looking at lowering the cost for a subscription because (laughs) a lot of people share the password with some of the family members, like a certain news anchor that I know, and I hope they don't (laughs) mess me up in my family. Oh, I'm sorry. I I think they know for a fact that almost everyone does that. (laughs) So that's one thing that they are looking at. They're even looking at maybe having an ad model too, right? Lowering um, the fee, the monthly fee, and people being willing to to watch ads, which is something that they had really planted their flag on the idea that they are advertising free. This is a subscription model. I wonder if they're going to do like what YouTube is doing. They have ads in there now, but then you got to pay extra not to have yeah. the ads. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's going to happen. We'll see. Anyway, again, a salute to Coach K, the the Duke era, and his head coaching duties. They have come to an end, and now Duke is losing a lot of players. Left, right, and center, it looks like. Um, in the yeah, past like week, I was so just looking at the names. Wendell Moore Jr., Paolo Banchero, Mark Williams, and of course now you've got Trevor Keels all saying that they're going to enter the NBA draft and uh, no longer play for Duke. I mean, the real talent at Duke has always been Coach K from the beginning, and this cements that. See, you you made a funny. You didn't even know you made the funny. You said left, right, and center. See, center, what was happening there? I'm sorry, Lynchy. Go ahead. But funny's funny to me. You know, actually, one of the people that is actually transferring is Coach K's grandson, Michael mm. Saverino. Now, oh, he only average, interesting. He'll, he only get into like 11 games this year, but he's going to be a graduate transfer, so he's leaving as well. And you got to feel bad for uh, Coach K's uh, successor, John Shire, who, you know, it's, this team went to the Final Four last year, and now five of the top players are jumping. So if you make if you're a first round pick in the NBA, all the salaries are slotted. It's not like you can hold out and uh, for for a particular salary. If you're the number one pick overall, for instance, this is just according to last year. Your first two years are guaranteed. Years three and four are at the option of the club. So the number one draft pick last year made ten million this year. He'll make ten and a half next year, then eleven million, then thirteen nine million for a package of forty five million. If you're the last player taken in the first round. You make 1.9, 2, 2.2, and 4 million for a package of 10.2 million. And all these guys believe they're going to be first round draft picks. So this is guaranteed money that's being waved in their faces. And why are we talking about it on the business of sports? It's all, that's Duke's moneymaker, the men's basketball team. Uh, I mean, that's what brings in all that coin. And if you've lost all <laughs> your, your practically your starting lineup, yeah. you're in trouble. You're in trouble, and it takes time to build that up again, right? I mean, this is a program that I don't want to say rested on the laurels of Coach K, but Coach K was the big draw here, right? Joining that 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 part of the program and the tradition. It was. Not only is he a great coach that's going to prepare them for life if they're not a basketball player, he'll prepare them for the NBA, but he also is represents a very strong father grandfather, Mm -hmm. uncle figure to Mm -hmm. families that are wondering, where am I going to send my son for the next four years? Where will he be in the best hands? Who's going to look out for his best interests? And there's nobody with a squeakier clean image and record and reputation than Coach K. 
Now, with all due respect to John Shire, who's taking over for him, he has to, and it's going to take a long year to build up credibility. Can you imagine, you know, it, as the families of a young basketball player heading off to college and you have a scholarship or whatever, and all of a sudden Coach K visits you? That's going to influence you oh, one yeah. way or the other of <laughs> him coming in your house. It's like, hey, yeah, you know what, son? Go, go, go play for Coach K. It's and that's something that Duke is going to miss. This feels like it could be a sequel of Jerry Maguire. <laughs> that's a good one speaking of show me the money barcelona women soccer my goodness they broke their women's soccer match record when more than ninety-one thousand six hundred fans saw the barcelona 5-1 route of wolfsburg in the first leg of their Women's Champions League semifinals, Scarlett. Yeah, what's amazing about this story about the Barcelona Women's uh, Football Club, or soccer here in the U.S., is the contrast that it strikes against what's happening for the Barcelona Football Club overall, which is still trying to come to grips with life after Lionel Messi. You know, he's gone, and they have to just kind of muddle through that. But in the meantime, the women's team is on fire. They what, had won 27 victories through 27 league matches, and we're talking by wide margins. They scored 146 goals at an average of 5.4 goals per game while giving up just eight. It's pretty remarkable. This is they're like the UConn women's basketball team of their league. I mean, they just <laughs> whooped everybody every single time. They just don't win. I mean, you want to? It must be a great team to bet on because they cover the spread every single time they play. <laughs> Let me write this down. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I admire the team. I mean, they have they just they come and take names like everybody's saying, and uh, they do it right. And you know. Keep your eye out because we need to have more televised soccer games. And I'm wondering if this is something that's going to get mixed into the fold and we could see it either televised or, to come full circle, see it stream. Maybe Netflix will change their mind uh. and then stream something like this. Yeah. There you go. Hello, Netflix. Are you listening? <laughs> see, see how I did it with me? Well, you know, everyone loves a winner. And as long as this team keeps winning, it's going to attract viewers. And, yeah. You've got streamers, you've got uh, all the other um, big tech companies that are looking to acquire live sports rights, taking a much closer look. And the the guys behind uh, Barcelona Club, they are looking to build this into a giant. I mean, they, this, is, this is going to put them on the map even more. Being the geezer that I am, I remember in the NBA, uh, used to have ABC used to air the game of the week. And the game of the week was always Los Angeles against New York. And I'm like, man, well, what about the Pistons? The Pistons, they play too. Well, obviously, as I got older and I learned that, one, people like winners, and two, you got the East Coast and the West Coast. Big media markets. That's right. And ABC, they're not stupid. They, they knew. And occasionally, you know, Boston would sneak in there. Uh, But, you know, but what I'm getting at is this is a product of the Barcelona team where that can be marketed and be great to be put out there streaming or television Mm -hmm. or whatever. We'll see. And speaking of Detroit, before you wrap things up there, uh, Michael Bark, uh, tip of the cap to your hometown and Miguel Cabrera, who picked up his 3,000th hit and just the... Seventh player in the history of Major League Baseball to have 3,000 hits and 500 or more 
home runs. It's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations, you, Big Bar. Oh, man, I'm so proud of Miggy. It's, and you know what? It's going to be a while before another player hits that 3,000 mark because I was looking at some of the numbers of some of the other players. It's going to take a while. And and I got to give a shout-out also uh, to my man, Dan Dickerson. He's the voice of the Detroit Tigers. We used to work together years back in the old WJR days, back in Detroit. And there's a video of him calling Miggy's 3,000th hit on YouTube. And it is something to see. It's the way it should be done. And, you know, in the same way that uh, Ernie Harwell uh, was in the booth. And, and it was just a beautiful thing to see. So, Double D, you got a big fan here, buddy. And uh, way to go. And by the way, that, that club of 3,000 hits and 500 homers, seven people. Just think, how many Major League Baseball games have been played? Close to a quarter of a million. Yeah. And it's only Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Rafael Palmero, Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, wow. and Miguel Cabrera. That is some pretty incredible company. Oh, I got something in my eye. <laughs> we finally silenced Bar Scarlet. We found. I know it happened. it happened. It happened. It happened this first time. Way to go, man! <laughs> this has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, and uh, we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring some of the big old topics in the world of sports. I'm Michael Bar. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm on Twitter at Scarlet Foo. And I'm Mike Lynch at Lynchy WCDB. And by the way, if you want to download this show, you just go where you go to download the show because that's the way we roll. <laughs>